are here ready to continue our sermon series on walking through the epistles. So last two weeks, uh, we gave a detailed introduction to the epistles in general, and also a specific introduction to the epistle of Galatians. Today, we are going to start um, with an actual you know, text of the epistle of Galatians. So we will do a verse by verse or sex, section by section expository study that is basically taking the scriptures and the sections of the scripture and explaining it in the light of the word of God. So today we are going to cover verses 1 through 17 as it was read. Uh, that's the section that we are trying to cover. So uh, we will like the title our sermon this morning as you know, Gospel and Apostleship Defended. We are reading and studying from Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Gospel and apostleship defended. So for our convenience, we will divide these scriptures 1 through 17 into three different sections. So I'm just you know, making this a little easy for you so you know, you know have a direction you know, as we go further. So there are three different sections we have here, right here. The first section is salutation from verses 1 through 5. And the second section is a reason for the letter, why Paul is writing this letter, verses 6 through 10. And thirdly, the call to apostleship, verses 11 through 17. So salutation and reason for the letter, the call of apostleship. So these are the three different sections that we are going to deal with this morning as we start our study into the book of Galatians. So most of Paul's epistles start with the salutation, which basically contains information regarding the writer, who is the writer, and who are the readers, and followed by a word of greetings, and also followed by, you know, Paul giving thanks to God for that particular church or for that particular individual, and also a little bit of, you know, commentation or appreciation for what they have been doing, you know, so far in the ministry. So that's how, you know, Paul structures his letters so the salutation, that section that contains an information about the writer and the reader and the greetings. You know, Paul brings greeting to the church or Paul brings greetings to, you know, Timothy or Titus. And then he talks about, you know, he, he gives thanks to God for the church and thanks to God for the individual. And then he appreciates them what they have been doing good until now. Right. So that has been the general structure of Paul's epistles. So let's talk about the first section, the salutation from verses 1 through 5. Now his salutation is very abrupt, you know, as we read, this is very abrupt. All of a sudden he is just jumping into, you know, details. That's how Paul writes this letter to Galatians. So it's very brief and, you know, he moves very fast, very quickly through a couple of scriptures here. That really tells me, that tells us that, you know, he is just getting onto the business right away without much delay. That's where Paul is right now as he opens the book of Galatians. So he gives an introduction here. We read the introduction from verses 1 to 2. 
So I'll read verse 1 and 2 again. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Verse 2, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So Paul is introducing himself as an apostle, not called by man, not through man. He became apostle, but he became apostle through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And also he says, I'm coming along with all my brethren who are with me and writing this letter to the church in Galatia. The way he introduced himself tells me really that he is up to something. Because he says, I'm an apostle, not called by man, but called by God. You know, he is just trying to straight say something very straight, and he is right there. So he introduced himself an apostle, not according to man, but according to God, appointed by God. He stresses the fact that, you know, it was not obtained through men, but it was obtained through Jesus Christ. And God the Father who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He's saying that not just the God of Abraham, not just the God of you know, Moses and Isaac, not just the God who was known as Jehovah. His name is Father, but he raised Jesus Christ. He's talking about resurrection. He brings resurrection right into it. And he's saying that I'm called by an apostle by Lord Jesus Christ, whom Jesus raised from the dead. Now the relationship between Jesus and the Father is brought upon here right away. And it is stressed upon because it is important to talk about the resurrection. Not many there believed in the resurrection. A sect you know, known, as, uh, 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 known as you know Sadducees, they don't really believe in the resurrection. And Paul is, you know, very particular here talking about that. Now, apostle, what, what does it really mean by the name, the word apostle? Apostle is, a, you know, if you really look into Greek lexicon, it comes from the Greek's word apostolos. Can you say that, apostolos? That simply means a messenger. Just a messenger, that's what it means. The literal meaning, the word from the root, original root, it just means it's messenger. Now, in a very lower sense, it's a delegate to a church. For example, if in a very low, low sense, if we send somebody from our church to another church, you know, he is known as an apostle. He has a message to convey. He's a messenger. In a very broader sense, he's an eminent missionary or he's a pioneer who goes to a, to a different place where there is no church or there is no ministry. He will go as a missionary, you know, to that place. That's what messenger or apostle means. In the New Testament sense, we all know that, you know, the apostle, the term is applied to all 12 disciples who were the eyewitnesses of Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what apostle simply means. Now, Paul is really asserting his apostleship here. He is saying that, you know, he is an apostle because his equality with the 12 disciples was in question. You know, that was the problem in the church of Galatia. We talked about it last week, last two weeks. The problem was, you know, they were not sure about the apostleship of Paul. And they were saying that you were not one among the twelve. And how can you say that you are an apostle? And Paul comes here right away and he is saying that 
I am an apostle. You know, he's just asserting that, you know, he is not one among the twelve, but still he is called by God. He introduced himself as an apostle in other, other, other uh, epistles too. But you know, when he addressed, especially to Thessalonica, the church in Thessalonica, and to the church in Philippi, and he, when he was writing to Philemon, he was not really introducing him as an apostle because it was really an admitted fact in the church of Thessalonica and Philippi they did not have any question but churches like you know Galatians and Ephesians you know those churches they still were doubting on the apostleship of Paul so that's the reason he is coming with the, such a great introduction of introducing himself as an apostle and Paul also here you, you would have noted that he included other fellow ministers of God and he says that you know we have other companionship along with me in my ministry and we are all together bringing up this epistle to the church in Galatia that simply means they are in agreement with me in whatever I am going to write you know all my fellow ministers they are all in agreement with me and we are coming to you with this letter you know that forms a little bit of introduction there under the salutation section and let's talk about the greetings the kind of greeting he brings verses 1 uh, verses 3 to 5 so let's read those scriptures right now verse 3 says grace to you and peace from God can you read that together grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God Father, God and Father. Verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's how, you know, he brings the greetings. He says that grace and peace be with you. That's how Paul brings greetings. Paul greets the church in Galatia. And he's saying that, you know, I really thank God for the unmerited favor. You know, that grace simply means unmerited favor of God. The favor of God. I pray that the, the favor of God rests upon you. That's how he's introducing. And he's also saying that peace, let the peace of God come from God the Father and Son Jesus Christ to you. So Paul is conveying that salvation is obtained by the sacrifice Jesus Christ made at the cross and he is saying that that is the favor that we get that is the grace that we get that is an amazing grace you know the song right once I was lost now I am found by the grace and that grace is the sacrifice that Jesus performed at the cross so Paul is bringing this as part of his greetings as he greets the church in Galatia and Paul is conveying very clearly, very, he is making it very appropriate that God is able to deliver you from the current evil age. And he is saying that even it works today. The grace works today. The salvation of God works today. And when he can save you, when he saves you, he can really get you out of the evil. Are you with me this morning? Listening to me? Listen to me very carefully because it's, it's, we are going through this text now you know, as Paul brings the greetings. So he's saying that you know, the grace is very relevant to the current age. The salvation is very relevant to the current age. And you know, even he's able to deliver us in this present evil age. Remember that I just want you to think about is Christ giving himself as a salvation, I know for our salvation. And Bible says, and even Paul says, that had happened according to the will of God. 
that should happen salvation coming through you and me through the grace of God by the sacrifice that Jesus made at the cross is according to the will of God you know that is a message he is trying to convey as part of the greeting there are three things he is trying to tell here he is saying that he is tracing the you know uh, us back to salvation that we received through grace favor of God can you say salvation that was obtained through the favor of God not through the favor of men and that was obtained through the favor that is that simply means the sacrifice at the cross can you say sacrifice at the cross and that had happened according to the will of God say will of God so these three elements are brought forth even at the time of greeting you know bringing the greetings to the church in Galatia so we are just done with the first section of salutation Right, let's move further, little, little further. Let's go into the real meat of it for this morning. We're going to read from verses 6 through 10. So we would title the, like the subsection as reason for the letter. So Paul is saying that, why do I write this letter to Galatians at all? Why? What I'm trying to say here? What is my purpose? That's what we see from verses 6 to 10. So we need to read very carefully with a magnifying glass in your hands. Right, so we'll not miss any information there as we read. Let's read verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you, that what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ Jesus. Now instead of you know giving thanks, instead of giving commendation as usual he does that for the other churches paul is right away started here expressing his surprise and even even started rebuking the church or the believers in galatia did you get that as we read the scriptures so Paul started rebuking. Paul was surprised. You know, how come, you know, so soon you departed from the gospel that I preached to you? And it became a surprise for him. And now he's also saying he's rebuking those who bring such a gospel which was not really according to what Paul preached. Now his words are really like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces. Anyone, when he, they, I could imagine those who received the gospel. I don't know how the letter was brought to the church in Galatia. When they started reading this letter in front of the congregation, I believe it was like a hammer coming upon their head right away. It was so pounding, so powerful. Amen. And this morning, I believe as we read through the scriptures, I believe God will speak to us too. There are a couple of sections I want to just, just subdivide these, you know, these areas, verses 6 through 10, into a couple of subsections. Number one, we want to talk about the swiftness of people turning away from the truth. Can you say that with me? The swiftness or the speediness of people turning away from the truth. Paul was so surprised at their fickleness. You know, we talked about the fickleness or the uncertainty that Galatian church had. 
Paul was so surprised. How is it possible? A couple of years before, I came here and established all the churches and taught them the grace of the gospel very clearly. And how can they depart from the gospel? He was surprised to see soon people turning away from God and away from truth. There is a message here, even today, that is very true. You know, people come to Jesus and the way they come to Jesus, so quickly they go away from God, away from Jesus, without following. If you ever had been to a, you know, a crusade, an evangelical crusade, where people, and there is an altar call given, you know, there are hundreds and thousands of people come, saying that I received Jesus Christ. And how many of them really follow God after that? You know, the way people come to accept Christ Jesus, in the same way they go away from God. You know, that's a scenario we see in this world even today. There are people who come to Jesus Christ and soon they go away. They fall from the grace of God. They lose the favor of God in their lives. You know, here Paul is talking about the emotional state of the church. The emotional state of the church not having a deep understanding in the word of God. You know, emotion is good. I mean, that's how we are made. We need to have emotion. Right? Otherwise, if we are not able to express our emotions, we are a dead wood. Right? So we all have emotions and we need to have, we should be able to, we have the freedom to express our emotions. But we cannot be led by those emotions to take decisions in our lives. Amen? Even when you want to accept Jesus Christ, if you take the decision of accepting Jesus Christ emotionally, that's not going to stay. So that decision needs to be based on our understanding on the word of God. You know, that's where word of God is important. You know, Holy Spirit is anointing is very important. You know, Holy Spirit anointing is without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we will not get the revelation of the word of God. We will not be able to serve God. It's important. It is important. But we cannot be totally led by those emotional signs of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to still have the deeper understanding in the word of God. Only our understanding in the word of God will help us to stand firm in times of trouble, in times of difficulty. You know, only, your, only the word can comfort us because that is the only solid ground. The word Christ Jesus, you know, he is the only solid ground on whom you can stand and I can stand. Rest of it is going to fall away. Amen. That's what Bible says. The flowers fade and the grass withers, but my word will stay for ever. Amen. So Paul is saying that very clearly, you need to have a strong foundation. You cannot really go by the emotional things that we are trying to do. You cannot just, you know, turn away from God so swiftly. And he's talking about a little bit about the deception, the deceiving side of the truth. I want to, you know, throw a little light before we move further. The deceptive side of the truth. Anything which is true has a fake or false face attached to it. I want you to think about it. I just want you to just come along with me in my thinking process. Anything which is true has a false face attached to it. It is not just the nature of the truth, but it is the nature of the one who perverts the truth. Are you with me? It is not the truth has a deception in it. You know, there are, there are some preachings, you know, we, we come across saying that there is a deception involved in the truth. That's not wrong. Truth is truth. There is no deception. But truth has an another side for it. 
And that's where we see deception. So it is not the nature of truth, but it is the nature of the one who brings the deception in our lives. And who is he? Who is he? Who brings deception in your life and my life? <sighs> Come on. Devil. Can I hear a louder devil? Okay. <laughs> Amen. He's the one who brings deception. So it is his nature to pervert. And that perversion is known as deception. So it is a very prominent or predominant characteristic of the devil. Wherever truth is preached, the devil, devil will try to sow fakeness, false things. Right? So we need to be very careful. Just go a little further and we we'll talk a little more about it. Deception is more attractive than truth. Are you with me? Deception is more attractive. Paul says here, I'll just take you there right away. Have you come across fake ornaments? They are more attractive than the real ones. Is there any witness here? Yes, most of you, all of you, right? So we have seen those, you know, shiny, shiny things, but they are not really shiny things inside. They are fake. So fake or fakeness has, is more attractive Fake has more attractiveness towards, you know, more than the truth. Here he says, truth of the gospel is preached by man, but the false, false gospel can even preach by an angel. That's what Paul says. Even if an angel comes and preach, do not believe. So the true gospel is preached by, I don't think true gospel is preached by angels now. Do you see angels walking around and coming into the churches and preaching gospels? No, we see ordinary people like us preaching gospels. But you know, truth can be truth is so pervasive and truth is so attractive, even angels can come and preach the false teaching. Have you heard of Angel of Light? Paul writes to 2 Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, he says, And no marvel, can you read this with me? And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Angel of light is a good angel. You know, when God created, God has commanded angels to take control over different aspects of this world. And there is some angel, a group of angels, they are responsible for the, maintaining the light source in this world. But there are satanic angels, false angels, even they themselves will transform into an angel of light. That's the reason we say that do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every prophecy. Do not believe everyone, everyone who comes in the name of the Lord. But we want to know their fruit. We want to know on what basis they stand. Gospel can be twisted easily and manipulated. And this morning Paul is telling, writing to the church in Galatia. I really wonder who really took you away from what was originally preached. In another instance, I quickly want, you, want to take you to another instance in the word of God, in Paul's writing, and let's come back to Galatians. So in another instance, Paul is writing about the fickleness of the Corinthian church. We are not studying about the church, we are studying about the church in Galatia. But let's quickly go there and, you know, uh, just have an idea about that church and come back quickly. So he's writing to the church in Corinth saying that you may accept everything inside the church and be comfortable with it. Church in Corinth. Let's read those scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. Paul writes to the church in Corinth with the same tone, similar tone. He says, but I fear. Can you read that with me? But I fear, 
lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. That means, that simply means, there are three things he's talking about. Uh, if, you, if somebody comes and preaches another Jesus, Jesus is true, but another Jesus is false, fake. Am I with you? Are, are you with me? Am I with you? Are you with me? Both are together, right? So good, thank you. So you now, if you receive a different spirit, spirit of God is the truth, but there can be another spirit that is not really from God. It's from the devil. It can fake and it can imitate the spirit of God very well. But if you receive another spirit, do not accept it. Or another gospel. The gospel is the truth. There can be another gospel and do not accept it. But looks like the church in Corinth may well put up with it. Means they are not complaining. They are happy. Having false teachings inside, having false spirits inside, having false Jesus inside of their hearts, and having false gospel inside. And Paul is really worried about what is going on in that church. What is going on, what is happening in that church. And this morning Paul is telling us, as he writes to Galatians, that even we need to be careful with what spirit people operate. What is the gospel they come with? And what kind of Jesus they are preaching. And you know Paul if in the previous scripture he also mentioned that you know they corrupted from the simplicity that is found in Christ Jesus. Jesus is simple. Gospel is simple. You know people are, we are the one who make it very complex. You know God expects us to bring the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Now what is Paul's stand? Now he as he moves further between the scriptures 6 through 10, he is talking about his stand very clearly. What is Paul's stand here? Paul knows very well the Galatian church or the Galatian believers are really going to be upset the way Paul is writing this letter to the church. You know in those days those letters are you know very big great things. When such a letter comes from an apostle, the whole church is eager to know what the message that letter has. And as the letter was read in the church of Galatians, Paul was very sure because of the rebuke that he brings in, even at the introductory sections, Paul knew very well that church in Galatia, they are going to be, become very upset. So, but Paul cannot really help it. He is just making his way through, you know, uh, through these scriptures because it is very clear in verse 10. Verse 10 says, uh, if you have verse 10 somewhere, can you just read that again? Verse 10, he says, for I do not persuade men or God. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still Please, men, I would not be a bond servant of Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, he's asking, should I please man or God? If I please men, I cannot really please God. You can you do either one of this. You cannot do both. Paul says, if I please men, I would not be a bond servant of Jesus Christ. I want you to pay attention here. Bond servants are bought by their masters. Bond servants are slaves. That would have been a better word there. 
they are just bought by the masters and the bond servants are slaves they are expected to fully obey their master and fulfill only the desire of their master did you get that they need to fully obey the master and they need to fulfill the desire of only their masters they are known as bond servants remember bible says we are bought by the precious blood of the lamb amen we are bought by the blood we are blood bought we are bought by the blood christ has already purchased you and me you know when we came to know jesus when we gave our life to him and we said lord, lord i need you i can't live without you i'm your child please accept me lord as your child you know we are already purchased by god all of us are bond servants to christ amen are you with me we are bond servants to christ we have an agreement made through the blood it is signed through the blood at the cross that you are mine and i am yours you know that's what god says we are bond servants our desire must be to please whom not people but god we can never serve two masters bible very clearly says we cannot serve god and we cannot serve the wealth of this world we need to serve only god are you with me we need to serve god we cannot please men you know i believe these are very strong words they speak to us and one of the question is the question that you and i need to ask is what do we do to please men we do a lot of things to please men yes you know we, we even go away far away we even we step down from our, our standards and we try to go behind people to please them to please them and god is saying do not please men whoever it may be human is a human amen god is god and god is saying do not please men just god please only god because we are bought by his blood and we are born servants of lord jesus christ there is no reason why we try to we need to try pleasing men on the face of this earth and god wants us to be careful the falling apart from the grace of the galatian church the reason is they were when they went behind and started pleasing people and paul comes here i cannot listen to another gospel if that is not the original gospel i cannot take another spirit if that is not the original spirit i cannot join this church because i want to please people i cannot do this because i want to please somebody no god is paul is saying that i cannot do that because i am a bond servant i am already sold i am not my own and this morning i believe that's re- that's what god is telling us that's the message that god is bringing to this church and telling that you are mine you are already purchased you are already bought by me amen let's move further this morning the final section is the call to apostleship so paul started with you know bringing the salutation introduction and the greetings and then he moved further and he talked about the reason why he is writing this letter to the church in galatia and now he talks about the call to his apostleship verses 11 to 17 let's read quickly but i make known to you can you read that with me together can you read a little louder so that that helps me but i make known to you brethren that the gospel preached by me is not according to man for i neither received it for man from man go ahead How 
how I preach the church of God beyond measure and try to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Verse 15, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Now remember, both the gospel and the apostleship, they were really assailed or attacked by those Judaic people who came to the Galatian church in the absence of Paul. So both must be defended. They said the gospel that was preached by Paul is the right gospel, not, not the right gospel. Because he said salvation came through Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that was made at the cross. That's what Paul preached. But the Judaic preachers, they came and they said salvation cannot be obtained only through Jesus. It has to be obtained by the work of the law. They, they brought them back to the Old Testament. So gospel was not preached correctly on whatever preached you know they did they came and destroyed that and secondly they questioned the apostleship of paul the moment his apostleship was questioned galatian church started thinking about everything that paul preached they may not be that may not be correct because his apostleship was questioned now paul had to defend both the gospel and the apostleship and that's the reason paul is talking about the divine origin of the gospel can you say that with me the divine origin of the gospel let's talk about little little bit here verses 11 and 12 i read that again but i make known to you we are talking about the divine origin of the gospel just carefully pick those words there from these two scriptures but i make known to you brethren that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man for i neither received it from man nor was i taught it but it came through the revelation of jesus christ we are talking about the divine origin of the gospel the gospel had has no human origin the gospel is not really made up by human being listen to me carefully gospel is not really made up by human being gospel is one of the ph now it's not one of the phd thesis somebody did somebody wrote that's not the gospel it's not the theological paper that somebody wrote that's not it it was not really an religious experience of an individual you know today there are many preachers they bring forth their experience and display that portray that in the stage you know this is what i i experienced in my life you know that's how god works in my life it's all good but that cannot become a gospel that's not a gospel so gospel was not received from man nor instructed by man I want you to listen to these three three stages very clearly gospel was not received by from man Gospel was not instructed by man. Gospel was not received from God and instructed by man. Are you with me? Gospel was not received from God and instructed by man. But gospel was obtained through the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says. It's not just one fine morning he received something from God. No, it's not. It's not that he learned all along in his life. Because he's the one who brought that word gospel. He's the one who preached the gospel to the Gentiles. 
That's what Bible says. That was the call of God upon Paul's life to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. So it was not received from man. It was not really received from God and nurtured by the teachings of the word of God. It's none of those, but it was received or obtained through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul had a greater revelation of Jesus Christ, I believe, than we all do. We all do. Paul had a miraculous encounter, not just that alone. All along his life, he had greater revelation. That's the reason he could, book, he could write such a great books of the Bible. They are part of the Bible. It was a revelation that he received from God. So Paul is saying, I received the gospel through knowing the divine source who is Jesus Christ. So he's saying that, you know, their complaint is Paul received the gospel by somebody, from someone. But Paul is saying that I have not received it from anyone or I was taught, not taught into, any, into the gospel by any people, anyone. Paul is saying I received the gospel through knowing the divine source that is Jesus Christ. And he also says, not that what I learned from men. From verses 13 to 14, he talks about his Judaic experience that he had. He was a scholar, there is no doubt about it. But he's saying that, listen to me, I did not receive the gospel from people. Remember, Paul was brought up and educated in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a first century Jewish rabbi and he was well honored. He was working in the Jewish Sanhedrin and he was well respected as a teacher of the law. That's where Paul learned his Bible, his Old Testament, all the laws. That's where he learned. Paul learned all the Old Testament law under an expert Gamaliel. And he was into the Judaic legalism, fully governed by the law. That's where Paul was. And he says he was an expert in Judaism compared to all his contemporaries. What does it mean? He says that I was an expert in Judaism in comparison to all the students in my class. All those people who, are lived, who lived in that time, those who were studying the book of the law, I was an expert in compared to all of them. Paul is talking to the church in Galatia, remember that. But what was the fruit? After all this learning that Paul did, what was the fruit? The fruit was persecuting, killing the people of God. You know, we question at times, is that the fruit of all the learning that he did according to the law? He ended up in killing people, those who are followers of Jesus Christ. So Paul never received gospel, you know, during I don't know how many years he spent learning the book of the law, sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, he never received the gospel. He did not know. He never had an idea. He did all these Pharisee teachings and all the traditional interpretation of the Old Testament, he was very thorough with. But he never knew what gospel was. So he's making it very clear. I did not receive it from man. But I received it. Through knowing the divine source. That is Jesus Christ. Amen. We are just going to finish in a moment. A couple of more scriptures. 15 through 17. Paul is talking about his call. He has to defend his apostleship now. So he defended the gospel. Saying that. Are you with me? He's saying that the source of the gospel was not human but it was divine and now he is defending his apostleship shall we read verses 15 to 17 together out loud verse 15 but when it all of us all of us read this both the scriptures but when it pleased God me from mother's womb 
and called me through his grace, verse 16, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with the flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So the call and the revelation that Paul received from Lord God. That's what he's talking about in these two scriptures, three scriptures. What kind of call it was? If you read the scriptures very carefully, there are four things that happened when God, God called Paul. I don't know whether you notice. As a student of the word of God, you should be able to notice that. Already you would have noticed. There are four stages that call of God Paul is talking about here. First of all, he's saying, I was separated from my mother's womb. Number one is separated. Can you say that? Separated. So the call of God, when call of God comes in your life, the first thing that happens is a separation. It's separated because somebody is called by God. And I believe all of us are called by God. Otherwise, we are not sitting here. We are all called by God. The first thing that comes in our lives is a separation. You know, many of you from your family, maybe you are sitting here. They are not yet called by God. It's the grace of God that you are called by him. And you are separated from your family. You are totally different. You speak another language they may not understand because you know Christ Jesus in your life. You are separated and then he says he was called through grace. So he was called. Separated and he was called. Now to reveal his son Jesus and son Jesus was revealed in him and he is going to reveal son Jesus to the Gentiles. So separated, called and revealed. Now for what? To preach the gospel and he is anointed. So there are four stages, four things that is happening the moment the call of God came in his life. Number one, separated, called and then revealed and then anointed to preach the gospel. Jesus said the, the, the spirit of God is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the gospel separated, called and revealed and anointed. When such a call of God came to Paul, this is what he says. I did not consult with flesh and blood. Where can we find flesh and blood? In? In people and more than people in us. Right? That's where we can immediately find flesh and blood. And Paul says, when the call of God came in my life, I did not consult with, my, with flesh and blood. He did not even speak to him saying that. Is it okay to... Listen to the call of God. Is it okay to be, obey the call of God? Because flesh is weak. Yes. Flesh cannot understand the things of God. You know, just listen to me. Flesh cannot understand the things of God. So there is no point in you asking your own life, your own flesh. Can I do this? And what will be the answer most of the time? No. Exactly. Thank you. Most of the time you get an inner voice. No. God is calling me. Can I go for it? No. God is asking me to come and sing and worship him and praise him. Can I do? No. God is calling me to preach. Can I go? No. You are not good in that. Who speaks to you? Flesh speaking to you. You are listening to me. Amen. Flesh speaking to you. Saying that you cannot do it. How come you in the whole world can do this? You cannot do it. It's a voice of the? Voice of the? 
Okay, forget the devil for time being, okay? Just give me a few minutes. <laughs> Just forget him. It's voice of the flesh. You cannot do it. You cannot do it because flesh is weak. Flesh cannot understand the things of God. Scripture. He did not consult the apostles. He said, when call of God came upon my life, it was not just a call that I got from men. No, forget it. He said, he's saying, I did not even go to Jerusalem. I did not even consult those apostles. How can you and I, when God is calling you, how can you and I can go and show your head to somebody and ask, can you pray and tell me whether God is calling me? What a foolishness it is. Paul is saying, when God called me, I did not even go to the apostles. They are such great people, real eyewitnesses of God. Paul did not do it. He says, I did not consult the apostles. In a, in, a, in a way, this is my own words, forgive me. He's saying that they are just mortal people. How can they know the counsel of God? Amen. You know, that should be the stand of a child of God. Just do not follow any preacher. Just do not go and try to get prayed from somebody. No, 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 no. You just pray to God. Mortal man cannot understand the counsel of God. Somebody may say, you know, when you, when you want to, even yesterday, even yesterday, somebody was asking me, Pastor, can you pray and tell me, can I move to, I don't tell the province, this province or not. I said, I'm not in that business. Sorry, I'm not in the business. You need to pray to go, your God and find out that. Prophecy can be told easily this way or that way. 50% here, 50% there. I also worked with a couple of prophets. I know that, you know, 50% of the prophecies fail. I'm not saying that there is no prophecy. There is, there is prophecy. There are prophets. But for, you know, you don't use prophecy as a fortune telling. There is a difference. Mortal men do not know the counsel of God. That was the answer of Paul. How can I, why should I go to the apostles? Instead, Paul just accepted the call of God and started his journey to Arabia and to Damascus, started preaching the word of God. The moment the call of God came upon his life, he started preaching the gospel. That's what the word of God says. So finally, just before to conclude, you know, we talked about a couple of things. We talked about the introduction that Paul gave, uh, you know, as part, of the, his, as part of writing this letter to the church in Galatia. And he mentioned very clearly the reason why Paul is writing this letter to the church in Galatia. And then finally, he defended the call of God over his life and he defended the gospel. There are a couple of truths that we can learn from this. Can you all just stand for a moment? I just, you know, read those truths that, is, that we can learn from these teachings before we leave from this place. Probably, you know, that may be the truth, outstanding truth, or that may be the takeaway this morning before we leave from this place. Number one, we need to be extra careful about the deceptive side of the truth. We need to be extra careful about the deceptive side of the truth. That's the reason we need to stick on to the word of God. The preaching of the word of God, studying of the word of God, meditating on the word of God, that we will never go wrong. Number two, we need to remember, all of us are bought by the blood of Jesus. We are called as bond servants of Lord Jesus Christ, not just only Paul, all of us. Amen? Can I hear an amen? Amen. So all of us are called as bond servants of Jesus Christ. So as, a, as our master, Jesus our master, we need to try to please him and him alone. Number three, as I said, exactly, we are not trying to please people, but we need to please God. Number four, when God is asking us to do something, 
Do not even consult your own flesh. Because the flesh always doesn't feel good what God is telling you. Flesh cannot understand the things of the spirit. Five, when God is asking us to do something, we don't go around and take opinion. We just obey. We just obey and start doing it. That's applicable to all of us. I don't know what God is speaking to you this morning. Shall we close our eyes?